over and over in Acts, we see how, how those, those disciples actually go about accomplishing that mission that they were sent on. They basically did what they had done hanging out with Jesus. They, they just kind of went and reproduced that. They proclaimed the good news about him and his kingdom, and they established communities of believers who believed this to be true and put their faith in that to live this new life together as family. That's really, in the simplest form, what they went out and did. This is the Life School Podcast, episode number 218. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey Heath, as always, great to be with you. Super sunny day, but kind of a special recording day for us. This is a first. We got an in-studio guest, world famous, Ma Hollinsby. <laughs> Mom Hollinsby, our number one fan. Hey mom, say hi so they know you're here, okay? Yeah, it's her birthday weekend. Yep. And and I was just like, hey, you're going to hang out with me today. We're going to do some podcasts. Why don't you sit along and see kind of how it's done because she's a faithful see, listener. See the magic happening. Ooh. Yeah. So Steam just rising off of us. People don't even know that. We're just so. <laughs> like an angel in the corner eliminating light. Hey, you've had a busy week too, man, with the discipleship challenge on Facebook, huh? Yeah. The discipleship and mission jumpstart, that four day challenge was as always crazy. This is the second challenge I've done. Yep. And so many people, I'm sure a bunch of people, listening right now we're like yeah i was in on that yep. so i hope you loved it as much as i did from the comments and the amount of homework and stuff it was nuts i mean thousands yeah, and thousands of views and gazillions of comments yeah and it's fun because i literally got in and I, I do every every homework i read every one of them and yep. i comment on them and it's like i'm up like early and late just yeah. facebooking like i'm a teenager <laughs> i remember yeah i remember even calling you a few minutes beforehand you're like hey i gotta i gotta bounce off because i've got this thing going, going live and the it's cool thing is for people that have felt maybe like oh, i totally missed something this is not just like a one and done like we'll have we'll have something else in the i am future loving i'm loving doing the live things like that and yeah. we do it as a challenge because um, it kind of it puts some urgency in, you know, yep. like like why why are the vi- why are the videos up? The replays only up for a few days, yeah. So you'll watch them exactly. <laughs> if I left them up forever, it's like yeah, I'm gonna get around to that. And a year later, you'd be like, where are those again? <laughs> no, but there's a, a good element of people that are are really wanting to take that next step, and it's simple. It's four days. You're not asking for like a three year commitment initially, but just. And, and really, I'm so impressed and humbled by how many people like literally do the stuff. Like, yeah. I'm like, and it's not, they're not giant homeworks, but they do it. And then so, it always requires like actually go do something, you know, <laughs> like yeah. have a meal with someone, bless somebody, whatever. You know? yep. People do it. So anyway, That's let's great. get it. Let's get into today's uh, special episode that yeah. goes along with our special guest. All so right. we're, yeah, this next couple, the next two weeks is actually part of a teaching message that you did a few years back. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could set it up a little bit. Yeah, so I was I was invited to speak to a bunch of church planners, okay, and pastors and their staff and all. So that may be a whole bunch of you listening. If you go like, "Oh, I'm tuning out," that's not me. Don't, please don't, <laughs> yeah, because um, you'll see this message kind of relates to all of us. Yeah. And what I was speaking about, I was I was speaking about like, what is the necessary environment for discipleship to take place? Yeah, is it just a uh, fluorescent lit room in, in the basement of the church, you know, with a bunch of chairs? <laughs> right. Or is there actually, can, can we look at Jesus' life and can we see the environment 
or environments, the qualities of the environment Jesus made disciples in. And um, I throw pretty hard, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Like, I was fired up. Yep. You'll hear it, you know? Ready I mean, we're go. sitting here and we talk and I, you know, we have a blast and there's some energy. But, like, when I'm, like, live like that, it's kind of nuts. But it goes deep, man. Yeah, it does. It hits hard, and I think people are going to really, really love it. So it's, but it's pretty long, so we're going to only get to about half of it today. Yep. And, um, but there's some really natural step in, step out points. And so I'd say let's, let's get into it and let's see like how Jesus made disciples in the sense of like where, how, how often, all that kind of stuff, the environment. And then what I want people to do is as you listen today and, and even in part two next week, I want you to listen. So like how, how many of these environments or qualities of the discipleship environment that Jesus enacted do you have? Hmm. You like it in your life, in, in the church that you lead, in your small groups, your missional communities. Yep. Um, and God loves us the same if we have them or don't. Sure. But I think we, when we compare and contrast how he made disciples and in sort of the context that he did it, we go like, oh, well, maybe that's why his disciples made disciples that made disciples. And here we are thousands of years later, his disciples. Yep. And, and maybe it points to some of why we're not seeing explosive discipleship multiplication. Also in this talk, I actually give an expanded definition of what discipleship is. It incorporates kind of my shorthand version. We always talk about discipleships, the process of moving from unbelief to belief in absolutely every area of life, but it takes it even further and a little bigger, a little deeper. So I think you're going to enjoy that. And, and then and then I start going through 10 of the, the most necessary and identifiable aspects of the environment that Jesus discipled in and that we, we get to model, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's get to the recording, and uh, I think people are going to love it. All right, let's listen in. In Scripture, we watch as Jesus makes disciples, right? And we see he turns like fishermen and regular people and tax collectors and, you know, regular people into fishers of men. And then before he takes off, before he ascends to heaven, he gives them this mission that we've been talking about all morning, this mission of go and make disciples who obey his commands, We've already touched on that a little bit. That's key, okay? And then over and over in Acts, we see how, how those, those disciples actually go about accomplishing that mission that they were sent on. And they basically did, I mean, think about it. Well, what else would they do? They basically did what they had done hanging out with Jesus. They, they just kind of went and reproduced that. They proclaimed the good news about him and his kingdom, and they established communities of believers who believe this to be true and put their faith in that, to live this new life together as family. That's really, in the simplest form, what they went out and did. And discipleship wasn't merely a Sunday school class to attend, or it wasn't a, a curriculum, like once you got through the nine weeks of discipleship training, I guess you're a disciple. That's how it was for me. I'm thankful for that time a, a man put in my life. We had like nine one-hour sessions. And for a very long time, that was sort of the extent of my discipleship, you know. But that's not what Jesus did. Uh, it wasn't just a curriculum to be discussed or a smorgasbord of programs offered by, you know, a burgeoning church in Jerusalem. Those structures may teach what Jesus taught, okay? So all of our classwork or discipleship or, you know, services might teach what Jesus commanded, but alone they don't, they don't create the environment for people to actually learn how to obey what Jesus commanded. Because they're again sitting in a class, well, there's no test of that. There's really no need or rub to not be prayerful or spirit-led or, yeah, I believe that, and then you go home and you, you know, hollering at the kids or, you know, 
beating your wife or something. I don't know. It's like in a class, you don't learn to obey. You just learn about the command. So a gospel-centered community on Jesus' mission of making discipleship must be that context. We talked about in that last session why that's so imperative. That if it's not gospel-centered and it's not about Jesus and his mission, if it's not in community, we don't have all the body parts rubbing on each other so we're conformed to him instead of an individual. And if it's not on in his mission, we're not accomplishing the purpose for what we've been saved, the purpose of the gospel. So the mission of our churches, the mission of our missional communities is to make disciples. But as leaders, we can no more force people to grow up in their discipleship, right, more than like a farmer can force a plant to grow. You can't stick a seed, you know, like on, like on a plate and just, well, I'm a farmer, so will it to grow, right? First Corinthians says as much. It says, so neither he who plants and he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So much like a farmer, see, we can create the environment and sort of the rhythms of a life that's a discipleship environment, but it's still it's ultimately the Spirit's work. It's God's work that makes people grow. Discipleship is the holistic care of a small group of people who are consistently experiencing Jesus' life and teaching together in a healthy discipling environment where they're learning to submit every area of their life to the Lordship of Jesus. So what I'm gonna give you, I guess, and we're not big on lists, man, really, in some of it. Here's 10 necessary qualities of a healthy discipleship environment. First one, and I, I can move up pretty quickly past it, it's that it's gonna have to be, this discipleship process is gonna have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It really is. Only the Holy Spirit changes hearts. Only God causes us to believe things we didn't believe. It's God's the giver of faith in this new area. You know what it says that God gives faith and we can pray for faith? Well, some of us have been given the faith to believe that our justification is taken care of so we will no longer have to pay the penalty for our sins. But we've not yet been given the faith to believe in a lot of different areas. Okay, so the spirit has to give that. Like we already said, it's the spirit that teaches and reminds and convicts and does all those things. So it's the spirit's job to make us like Jesus and accomplish that work. So here, after each of these 10, I'm just gonna give you a question. If nothing else, write this question down and discuss this as a team. Pray through these questions and let it lead you maybe to a more sort of well-orbed discipleship. So in this one with the spirit is, what would it look like Okay, to disciple in submission to and in partnership with the Holy Spirit? That's a big question. I, I, would, I wish we had the time to discuss that. It would be great if you guys did, though. What would it look like to disciple in submission to and in partnership with the Holy Spirit? That might be like all that anybody can handle today already just to go there. The second thing is that this environment's gonna have to be saturated in the gospel. Again, we really believe the gospel is the answer to every question. Now that's a bit, I've, I've had somebody, some legalist take, take me to task on that. They go, I don't believe that's not a true statement. The gospel is the answer to every question. I had one person tell me no because they had, they had worldly counseling uh, and psychology classes and then there's other answers besides God to help people fix things. And then, then I really could disagree. The other person said, no, the gospel is not the answer to every question because it doesn't answer the question like how many miles is it between St. Louis and like Manhattan? It's like, all right, 
sucker. When it comes to life's problems, issues, all of it, the gospel truly is. And we're gonna, we have to have a, a discipleship environment that's gospel-saturated, Jesus-saturated. The people are seeing how the gospel applies to everything, not just their atonement issue, but their marriages, their sexuality, their parenting, all of it. We had an intern um, with us a couple summers back, and she was just kind of in community and doing this, that, and the other life with the Mitchell communities. And when she left, we were having lunch with her. Some of the, some of the leaders were taking her out to lunch, say goodbye to her. And uh, I asked her a question. I said, um, what was different about this experience, living life, you know, in, in Mitchell community with us this summer than you expected? Just curious, you know. And uh, what she said was really, was really kind of cool and kind of encouraging to us. She said, what was really unexpected to me is you guys like talk about Jesus in the gospel all the time. Like it's all you talk about is Jesus. Like it doesn't matter what the topic, somehow, and she wasn't saying it creepy, you know, like chapter and verse and everybody. She's like, you guys just bring it all back somehow. And we're like, well, I think that's cool, I think. See, discipleship, that environment's going to have to be saturated in that. Not self-help and not like self-speak, like you're okay, you're good, you're going to make it, you're all right, work harder, you know. It's going to have to be saturated in gospel. It is ultimately, like I said, the answer to every question. And so it becomes the motivation also to change and to grow and to learn and to lead others in it. Okay? So we're going to have to there again motivate people with this gospel saturation to just be awed with who God is. And so as the gospel then seeps into every crack and crevice of their life, that's discipleship. That's discipleship. We walk more and more in submission to Jesus in this area, in that area, in this area. See, we often see that Jesus helps his disciples reflect and, ap and apply truth based on experience in the course of everyday events. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Here's the question I want to put to you on this. Could the people in your churches or missional communities apply the gospel to their own life situation? Do they know how to? Do they know how to gospel as we've kind of turned it into a verb? Do they know how to gospel their own lives? So like when they're having a completely freaked out, stressed out day, can they, can they, can they remind themselves, no, God is great. I don't have to be in control. God is great, and, and whew, he showed his greatness in a million things, but he really showed his greatness on the cross. And if God is that great, I really don't have to stress if I'm getting laid off next month. I, 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 it's okay. It will be okay. Can, do, can they gospel their own heart? Can they bring the truth of the gospel to bear in their own lives? And then, second part of the question, can they do that in each other's lives as a community? Are you building a gospel fluency into the normal everyday life? Do normal conversations, just as they come and go in community life, do they often run to the gospel or some aspect of truth of the gospel? A few years back, uh, when this was starting to dawn on us, and me in particular, we had some friends from the Crowded House Church, Tim Chester, Steve Timmis, or some of the leaders there in Sheffield, and a couple of the, a couple of the gals uh, in their 20s, maybe 30, I don't know, were, they were staying with us for a couple weeks. 
And I started noticing, this is kind of on our journey to gospel fluency, I started noticing that, it, that the gospel and just little tidbits of truth often just seeped into like the cracks of their conversations, like in and out real fast, and they would kind of gospel each other. Like one day we were finished with dinner, and as they called it, we were washing up. We were washing up, and so we're washing up the dishes, and um, the two of those women are talking, and one of them is saying something about I don't know, you remember what they were talking about. And one of them says to the other, well, that seems to be a bit of pride there, isn't it? Do you, are you believing your God right now that you can actually control that person's thoughts and actions and outcomes and you're upset that you can't? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Thanks for pointing that out. Anyway, and they go back to it. And I'm like, holy cow, I thought she was going to hit her with the pad, you know? Like, <laughs> how do you get away with this? And they're like, what? And I'm like, that. What, did you, what was you just doing? And they're like, oh, we're just bringing the gospel to bear on that situation. She was having a bit of a prideful heart. And I'm like, I know. Honey, what were you telling me last night? Talk to her now, you know. So, and so, like, is, is, are we becoming gospel fluent? This, this discipleship environment, if nothing's going to have to just be saturated in the gospel, so that as the stuff of life comes up, and as these other aspects of our life sort of now are in tow as discipleship, the gospel's being applied. Do your people speak the gospel to themselves? Do they know how? Can they speak the gospel to each other? I'm not talking about quoting verses and chapters from the Bible, but bringing the good news to bear. I'll tell you a, a, a great book on, on, on doing this is You Can Change by Tim Chester. It's a book on like, just like why do we sin and how do you like lead people, starting with yourself, out of sinful patterns, like especially those besetting sins that just won't like, go away. And the book's called You Can Change. And in there, there's a chapter on, we, we, we kind of coined the term, even though it's his stuff, uh, the four G's. There are four truths about God that when we don't believe them, they lead to every human sin. Amazing. It'll change your whole understanding of sin and how you, how you lead people in and out of, out of it. Okay, next one. Community influenced. Your discipleship environment's gonna have to be communal. It's going to have to be community influenced. The disciples learned, obviously, a ton from Jesus, but they learned an awful lot as well, I think we can assume, from their interactions with each other. Just think about the, the motley crew that Jesus selected, hand-selected to be his 12. I can't even imagine when you've got a collaborating tax collector of the Romans have to hang out and eat dinner with a rebel against the government. Sitting next to a guy who you know, you don't know why Jesus keeps letting be the guy who keeps the purse, but he's ripping you off and you all know it. And you're hanging out and you, I mean, and just, and you got fishermen and even today, like we live on a, in a dock town, fishermen are stinky and weird and they don't brush their teeth a lot. It's just, Think about who Jesus was hanging out with. Why didn't he just pick 12 fishermen? Or why didn't he just pick 12 tax collectors? Why this weird potpourri of nastiness hanging out for three years together? You know? It's this community life. It's this rub against each other. Okay? So though you as leaders and maybe as missional community leaders take on sort of a elderly, you know, like a leadership role... Of, of discipleship in people's lives, meaning making sure that the environment's happening, they're engaging, it's tailored, it's customized. Still, most of that true discipleship's gonna happen from interactions that are going on with all kinds of people. 
Think about this too. A lot of small groups are formed, missional communities or gospel communities or community groups rather. They're formed around affinity. Well, you're just not going to get rubbed on and your gospel needs sort of surfaced if you're hanging out with six or ten people who are just like you. They like the same music. They eat the same food. They go to the same pub. They, they like the same TV shows. They get the, kids are the same age. They parent similarly. You, you, know, you know how it is. You get a big group and eventually it sort of just shrinks down to the people most like each other. And they're right at the same age and stage of life. They kind of generally are pretty close in income with each other. But see, here's the thing. That's not our city. I don't know, I look around my neighborhood and I see young people, old people, white people, black people, homeless people, wealthy people, teenagers, retired people, super old people, like, like skaters. I, I see the whole mess. And in, in my neighborhood, I'm called to make disciples to them. How am I going to teach people how to be and make a disciple of a wide breadth of people if they don't hang out with those kind of people ever? In other words, like even in college ministry, our college missional communities, the ones that are focused on reaching the kids on the campus, here's what they do. They're building missional communities of regular families and people all around the campus who then want to love students. And those students then are, are sort of incorporated, soaked into fully orbed families living on mission. Because that student doesn't know, just need to know how to make college students into disciples. He needs to know how to go home and make his mom and dad into a disciple or his sister or his own kids someday. So if he doesn't see kids being raised in a godly home, because he didn't come from how will he know? How will she know how to be a good mom? So you, it's got to be in community. We need the rub, and it's how we learn to make disciples of a full family, a full culture, a full community. So here's the question then. Do the people in your church or your missional community see themselves as disciplers? even if they're not considered leaders? Like, do they realize they're a part of the discipleship program? And do they realize that as they make disciples, it's part of their discipleship? Here's a a harrowing thought. It's freeing and it's scary as all get out. When, I'll, I'll start with a question. When does a person's discipleship begin? When, when do you begin discipleship with a person? At the point of contact. As soon as you meet them is when discipleship really begins. See, we've always said, we've always said it this way, right? Think about it. If we had a continuum here, I had a whiteboard, I could draw a cross in the middle. We'd usually say evangelism, Jesus in my heart prayer, conversion experience. Let's get into some discipleship, right? Being honest. Jesus said it the opposite though. Jesus says, if you'll be my disciple and walk in my ways, notice the order here, if you'll be my disciple and walk in my ways, you'll come to know truth and that truth will set you free. Be a disciple, come to know truth, get set free. We do it the opposite usually. We go, believe what we say is true. Say a magic prayer, get set free. Let me start discipling you. The truth is you're always in discipleship mode. From the time you meet somebody, they're watching you. This is why it's liberating because you're always discipling. So you really don't have to start a discipleship program. This is why it's scary. You're always discipling. So when they're watching you at a restaurant, that waitress is watching you tomorrow or tonight, and you tip like crap, 
You just discipled them. See, they're either seeing a person that believes the truth of the gospel, that we have a generous God that has given us way beyond what we've earned, thank God, or they're seeing a person that doesn't believe that. They're always seeing what it looks like to live a life submitted to God, and he's the one who makes the decision over good and evil, right and wrong in our life, or they're seeing a person that makes those decisions for themselves and works real hard. I don't know if there's a third option. See, you're always in discipleship mode. Freeing is all get out because we're already doing it. But it's scary because you're already doing it. So it's a matter of intentionality now. Do you realize you are? Wow, I'm gonna, it would take a supernatural force living inside of me to help me accomplish something like that. Amazing that we got that, you know? Right? So do people see themselves as disciples, Or do they think they need some more classes from y'all? They already are. And their discipleship is, part of their discipleship is making disciples of others. And, and just, just so I can tip my hand here, leadership development in churches usually sucks because they don't have discipleship going on. Discipleship is leadership development. It's just further up the slope. And one of our benchmarks for success is when we see a guy who came into the community, lost as a goose, began to walk in the ways of Christ, got set free, and is now leading others and leading missional communities or expressions or whatever. Discipleship is leadership development. With your kids, aren't you teaching them how to be a good dad and a good mom from like little, little, little on? Yeah, so when did parent training start? It, it just does. It is. Same. So do your people see themselves as disciples? Okay, next thing. The environment's going to need to be missional and you're going to need to be out serving people. So those two words are not necessarily meaning the same thing. Missional means out serving. Missional means out making disciples. But mission means sent. Missionaries are sent ones. And so you're going to need to be out in the thick, out in the rub, out in the pub, out in where people live. Whatever they do, you incarnate it. In our missional communities, each missional community actually creates their own covenant of how and who they're going to reach, how they're going to live out their, their identity as family of missionary servants making disciples. They work it all out through these cultural rhythms. You can get all that stuff on our website if you're interested. And uh, they work that out very specifically. And that's going to include lots of time just out amongst those people, serving them putting on the, the bathrobe and growing out the beard and wearing the sandals, you know, incarnating. Jesus didn't just hang out in heaven and go like, hey, I got good news for you all down there. Like, it's finished. I did it. Didn't cost you anything, you know. He came. He hung out. He served, okay. So there, character qualities like love and compassion and servanthood and sacrifice and generosity are much more likely all right, much more likely to be integrated into a person's lives as they enter into the lives of others and serve them and give their stuff away and meet needs in ways that God's going to have to show up. Okay? It's going to have to be out, and it's going to have to be frequent. It's going to have to be in rhythm. We use the word rhythm a lot. You don't want to have, we're like, remember last year when our missional community served someone? That was cool. We should do that again. Now you should live in a rhythm of serving, out on mission, out displaying and proclaiming both visually and physically the gospel. That's going to be part of it. So here's the question that goes with that one. 
Can compassion, generosity, sacrifice, etc., can it be taught into the life of a person? Or how does that happen? Dot, dot, dot. And how will you know if they are, in fact, growing in those areas? As somebody who's actively involved in trying to live out this missional lifestyle in my own life, and you know that about me, it was really encouraging to just hear, you, you were right when you said you went deep and a little bit hard there, but there's <laughs> aspects to that that is like, in one sense, this is such a simple teach. I mean, this if you look at the life of Jesus, it makes sense. On the other... It's pretty it's, common sensey. Yeah, I think. but then it's disheartening on the other hand, because you're like, very few people that I know actually live like this and are, are actually able to do their life like this because schedules are busy or whatever it is. This is the thing is I, I anytime I teach this, cause I've taught this many times, right. Um, I'm always struck in my own life in the church, capital C church. How do we get so far from this and how do we reduce discipleship to primarily knowledge acquisition or passing off lots of knowledge? Yeah. Because we kind of know, you know, what knowledge puffs up. It doesn't necessarily humble us and yeah, or creates the action. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, so those, we just covered four of the 10, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Ooh, super powerful. Uh, gospel saturated. That, that might be the most important segment of all. Community sure. influenced. So, people say, what about one on one discipleship? Yeah. Parts of it, just like sometimes you spend time with your kids. But yep. anyway, and then outward focused. We can't just be doing the holy huddle. But yeah. anyway, you just heard it. But those, that's what we covered. And we got a whole bunch more coming next week in part two. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear that. Yeah, well, let's get to the big three for this week. And if you're, uh, if you're busy doing some stuff, the big three is it's a free download of the three things that, if nothing else, we want you to take away from this week's episode. And you don't want to miss these key points. And if you want this free download of what Caesar gives us today, you can go to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three to get those notes as a download. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Yeah, if nothing else, don't miss these. First one, only the Holy Spirit can change hearts and transform lives. Therefore, he, the Holy Spirit, is the primary discipler and equipper of people. He teaches, reminds, convicts, helps, leads, reveals, counsels. So making disciples must be done in partnership and submission to the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing apart from him. Mm -hmm. Look it up in John 15, 5. It's, yeah. it's true. And so, so often we're just going about life and there's no, like, how, how much did you check in with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's part three of my discipleship manual. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Spirit has a... Okay, second of the big three. The gospel must permeate the discipling environment. Hmm. It's, it's ultimately the answer to every problem and the motivation to submit every area of life to the lordship of Jesus. Or in other words, it's the motivation to apply the gospel to every area of life. Otherwise, we can just be piling law on everybody. As the gospel seeps into every crack and crevice of our lives, we walk more and more in submission to Jesus for our good and his glory, meaning looking more and more like him, yep. who is the glory of the Father. Okay, that's a lot. And then third, don't miss this, discipleship happens in community on mission. It doesn't just happen sitting around on a couch. It doesn't happen sitting, you know, under fluorescent lights in the church basement for an extra hour a week, you know. <laughs> Character qualities like love, compassion, servanthood, sacrifice, generosity, they're more likely to be integrated into a person's life, your own and other disciples that you're on this journey with, yep. as they enter into the lives of others and frequently demonstrate those qualities that I just mentioned in context of relationship, right? They're not just ideas, yeah. but they're, they're real sacrifice, servanthood, generosity, right? Spiritual growth is often more significant when people serve in community outside the church. They're not just, you know, setting up chairs and do, doing the good work that sometimes are required at our family gatherings, yep. but out serving people who are desperately needy. It changes us. It, it causes our hearts to be exposed. So 
get out there. Get yeah. out there. Go and make disciples, right? Absolutely, man. Those are your big three for this week. You get that download by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three, and we'll get those to you right away. Hey, we want to bring up the Facebook group because the last couple of weeks it's been exploding, especially with those who went it's through It's so fun right now. Oh, it's, it's so amazing. fun. You know, one thing I saw recently that I've never seen before, and it's just a testament of like excitement of what's actually happening in this group, is there's a group from a, like a St. Paul, Twin Cities, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and somebody just threw out there, anyone in the area want to get together and have dinner? And so now there's like, I don't know, eight to ten yeah. people. And we actually coached some people there. Yeah. Are, I think that might have been the impetus of that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So we're, they're we're getting together a and they're church having a dinner. There. We're going to plan a whole new church. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, all you got to do is go to Facebook up in the search bar, type in Life School Podcast. Caesar or I will approve you to the group. And we have great conversation and pushback and... Uh, we're sharing recipes for for hangs and, and different ideas on how we're doing mission awesome. together. Yeah, I'm loving it. Hey, next week we want you to join us for part two of this talk. As Caesar said, we got through four of them today, but we've got some more points to get to next week. Yep. And we'll, so we'll round it out next week. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what they are. Yeah, I know you can hardly wait. So. And, and again, you go pretty deep. This this message, man, you had, you had a little bit of fire in you. Yeah, I, I'm throwing hard. <laughs> we appreciate As that. we used to say, throw hard. You know. So join us next week for that. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast.